Well, hey there, listener. Excited to have you today. We've got a wonderful pair of guests, a dynamic duo of the arts community here in Spokane, uh, two members from the Spokane Arts team. So to my left here is Melissa Huggins, the executive director, and across the table from me here in the studio is Chantel Jackson, program director for Spokane Arts. And also joining us as a co-host today is Liz Hooker, a lifelong Spokaneite and someone who's been a bit involved in the community scene here as well. So uh, ladies, thanks for being here. Uh, First off, how are you? How are you doing? Doing pretty well. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Excellent. So, uh, Melissa, maybe just to get us started, for the listeners that aren't aware, can you just give us the little elevator pitch on what is Spokane Arts? Yeah, sure. I'll do my best. Uh, So Spokane Arts is a local nonprofit organization, and we support creativity throughout the region, throughout the Inland Northwest. So that takes the form of direct support for artists and arts organizations and cultural groups. And then that also takes the form of uh, promoting arts and culture and arts education out to the broader community as a whole. Excellent. So I just want to dive kind of right into it. Just looking at the arts and culture scene in downtown Spokane specifically, what have we got going for us? What's what's going great right now? What have kind of what can we kind of hang our hat on here in the community, kind of on a state level or a national level or or world level, if you will? Yeah, I mean, one thing uh, just in the past few years that we Spokane has really started to embrace murals, you know, and we've seen like in addition to the public murals that organizations like us do, um, we've seen business owners really embrace murals and start to realize the benefits, you know, that it mitigates graffiti and that it brightens the downtown and it creates this tourist attraction. Um, Chantel has participated in a in a mural herself so she might be able to speak to murals as well yeah for sure so uh, a couple summers ago I did I was one of 16 artists who did the Black Lives Matter mural over on Maine um, and that was a partnership with Terrain and um, 7-2 and 14-4 so yeah I mean and I'm not a muralist by practice but to have the opportunity to you know, develop that skill as an artist and do uh, the largest canvas I've ever done, you know, at that point was really cool. So, yeah. Is there anything you can kind of, I mean, has anything driven that shift as far as, you know, making murals more popular or people kind of realizing the advantages that they have? Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think that is part of it is just like people seeing them out and about more and seeing how excited people get about them and how they can reflect community and bring communities together. I think, yeah, when business owners see other business owners like, oh, my gosh, they just opened a restaurant and they have an amazing, you know, mural on the wall behind the counter. And so every customer that walks in sees this like colorful, cool thing that maybe ties in with their branding or ties in with community. Um, Yeah, I think when you see that, you're like, wait a second. I want to do that. And so what, um, do we have any kind of murals in the hopper or any big projects you're excited about kind of coming to downtown or what can you tell us about some of the more recent ones, including like the black lives matter one that's, that's, that's still up for people on, on main Avenue there. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what's in the hopper, excellent question. So, um, we have been working with the city of Spokane for a very long time to establish a policy for street murals and street art. And we did, Spokane Arts did a pilot project in 2016 in Brown's edition. And we did, um, Ellen Pickin and Tiffany Patterson and some other folks created this huge temporary mural in the intersection in Brown's edition next to Coeur d'Alene Park. And the whole neighborhood got to come out and participate in installing the mural. And it was like, you know, this crazy fun thing, but it was a temporary mural. So basically since then, we've been working with the city of Spokane to develop a policy so that we can install, you know, more longer term um, intersection murals and crosswalk murals. So the city just did approve some funding as part of a traffic calming measure um, that was kind of led by city council president Brian Beggs. And um, so we have some funding in place. We're working with the city to develop the policy. And basically, it's a three-year pilot project where um, every neighborhood in Spokane will get to have at least one intersection mural and one crosswalk mural. So like I said, it's a pilot project, but 
but we're hoping that this can help us also start to do some other things that we've been talking about in the downtown for a long time, such as alleyway improvements. Um, And so, you know, imagine if uh, we had an alleyway that was completely, you know, the surface of the asphalt was completely covered in a mural. Or, um, you know, we've seen examples from other cities. Liz has showed examples from other cities where, you know, they make a theme for the alley. So it's like, oh, this is basketball alley. And there are hoops that you can play on. And there are other interactive pieces. And there are little basketball murals, you know, that sort of thing. So there are just a lot of opportunities. So that's a thing that's kind of in the pipe pipeline, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, speaking of kind of being an advocate for the arts and a, and a steward for the arts, do you find yourself, is, is it as hard as it seems like it might be advocating for the arts when it comes to things like talking with decision makers and people making budgets for some of these bigger projects? Because it, it seems like the arts can kind of quickly be one of the first things that's either, you know, slashed on a budget or removed altogether. Why is that? You know, why does that seem to be the case? And uh, how, how, you know, do you have a hard time kind of convincing people the actual functionality and, and value of art? Yeah, I mean, Chantel participated and led our uh, kind of advocacy efforts at the state legislature this year, you know, scheduling all our meetings with the state legislators. So I might let her speak to that a little bit. Yeah, the interesting thing about, you know, talking to the state legislators, um, they're the folks that we talked to, I think they saw a value um, in a very more personal way, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, my son played this instrument or, oh my gosh, yeah, when I was in high school, I did this thing. And then, but really convincing like the long-term value there, it, it was almost a disconnect. And so really trying to tell a story of like, here's what we're doing, here's why it's important, here's how it impacts. I think, you know, some we kind of went over and them being able to relate back to their experiences of how it felt. Like, you know, we had one representative who reminisced on when they were in a play in high school and like how that felt for them and how, you know, that created value for them. So it took, I mean, it really took storytelling to try to convince them of this is important, here's why we need the money, like here is, here's what we can do here's what we can support here's how it has long-term impacts you know for our for our city for you know artists in our city so I think once we were able to storytell in the way that you know we kind of really curated the message did help but um, I think there was some resistance in some and others kind of saw that value so that's you know one example of the difficulty of of you know kind of helping people understand the value yeah. And how are we doing right now? How would you say Spokane? I mean, obviously, it's always a battle to do better. But are we doing OK? Are we drastically kind of not providing the arts to our community? You know, are we are we doing OK and we can do better or what's that? We can definitely do better. We can definitely do a lot better. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a city, I mean, I think uh, we so just one example, um, compared to cities of our size, we have fewer museums and we have drastically fewer performing arts facilities, um, you know, as, as much as 50 to 60% less than similar cities of our size. So there's a lot of room for improvement. And then of course that varies depending on what creative discipline we're talking about. Right. So, you know, the situation in the film industry is different than visual arts is different than the literary arts and so on and on. So, you know, there's, um, Um, A lot of complexity there, for sure. Um, I mean, I love Spokane. I think we have so many amazing things happening. We have so many amazing creatives. We have so much talent here. I think we've definitely, um, we're far behind other cities on the funding you know, sort of like the funding and the infrastructure part. And of course, we've been working so, so hard as an organization over the past 10 years to, um, you know, uh, make you know significant gains in that area, uh, but yeah, definitely a lot of room for growth. Kind of a, a question I have is, like, I feel like Spokane is well known for our culinary arts, but do we really call it culinary arts? And where are there opportunities to take some of the more commercial aspects of of what we've got talent for here in Spokane, and and find that like fostering and growing and supporting and lifting up. Uh, artists in areas that that we excel at but might not necessarily think of as 
the arts. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's such a good point. And that's something that, you know, as a local arts agency that we have tried and worked so hard to do is, you know, I think sometimes people hear the word art as you're saying, and they think, you know, oil oil paintings from the 18th century, you know, like that's maybe where your mind goes to versus exactly what Chantel is describing of the personal, like, wait a second, I play guitar or I play piano or, you know, um, I'm a chef or I love to cook. You know, not everybody likes to be called a chef, but they are engaged in the culinary arts. Um, so yeah, you're right. There's a, there's definitely a lot of that. One of the, um, Saga grants, our grants program that we have for arts and culture, um, one of the projects that we funded, uh, and I don't want to mispronounce her name, um, Ari Nordhagen, um, she is working on a cookbook project that is featuring, using Saga funds, she's uh, publishing this gorgeous, gorgeous uh, cookbook that features chefs and culinary artists throughout Spokane with a recipe from each one and beautiful, gorgeous, incredible photos of everyone. Um, and she's getting really close to publication. So I think it'll be end of this year, beginning of next year. So I'm excited to see that as well. I want to piggyback on something you were kind of talking about, uh, just as far as not recognizing certain things as being a form of the arts, but just generally speaking, because I feel like you guys might get this question a lot, but the, is it art question? So what, I mean, Chantel, just if you had to answer the question, what is art? What do you say to people when they ask you that? Um, it's what you want it to be. I mean, it it really is. I, I think about innovation and creativity as markers of when people talk about art and, you know, how it intersects with all disciplines. So really, it can be what you want it to be. And I think, you know, when we look at when you hear art, I think people think what you were talking about, like highbrow, like very stiff, like galleries with people in like gowns and stuff, you know, <laughs> looking at ancient art. But, you know, I, you know, we've been passed down that history, but it is so much more in art. Art is a movement. I mean, honestly, you can I can say art is anything you want it to be, but it's a movement, it's innovation. I mean, you can put anything behind it. And to me, that is art because it's coming from people trying to create, you know, new realities or, you know, art is healing. Art is something that saves. I mean, what isn't it? So I, art is everything. I love that. I don't know. I think I just got like five stickers. So I just want to copyright right now. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll have quotes. Yeah. Yeah, We'll produce that later. So um, maybe to that degree, when it, when it comes to your organization and what sort of projects you might pursue or advocate for, how, how do you go about determining what's a worthwhile project or, because in a way, would you say that you're kind of determining what would be good art or bad art, or at least you know valuable to the community more so than others? How do you kind of make those decisions? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the work, well, I have two answers, which is that so much of the work that we do involves uh, partnership and collaboration and saying yes to community organizations that come to us and say, wouldn't it be amazing if Spokane did this or if Spokane had this. Um, And so, you know, that's more sort of like very grassroots and community focused rather than um, us deciding like, oh, Spokane needs X, Y, and Z, and we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, And then the process for, you know, so just to take as an example, like uh, a piece of sculpture or a mural or, you know, even a signal box design, um, the the process is sort of like, okay, how do we get the funding? How do we decide sort of like a place or a general concept of like a need that exists? And then we basically put out an open call for artists. And so people can propose all kinds of different, you know, individual artists or teams of artists can propose all kinds of you know, completely different concepts or ideas or ways of approaching it. Um, so oftentimes it's not so much about, you know, us, Chantal and I sitting around like twiddling our fingers and being like, let's decide for Spokane what's going to happen. Uh, it's much more grassroots than that. So, uh, you know, that kind of reminds me of another thing you have that wasn't something I had encountered before, before I uh, was familiar with your organization, but the artist roster, something that is featured on your website. But can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what kind of purpose it serves? 
Yeah, so the roster is, um, you know, artists, creatives um, can, there's a form on our site, they can fill that out. And I think it has multiple purposes. One, um, to really highlight who's in our community. And, um, you know, when we put them on the site, we can put them in categories, like if they choose um, visual artists, culinary, photographer, and then if there is like, you know, an indigenous artist or an artist of color, LGBTQ+. So then it also becomes this roster that businesses, organizations, if they're looking for artists to do specific things, they can go to that roster and see, you know, who who exists in the community or if, you know, they want to hire someone to do a project. So those are kind of the so it, it really works as, you know, artists being able to showcase who they are, kind of put themselves out there as a resume um, and then, you know, community members being able to utilize that to you know, use artists or hire, not use, hire artists for various projects. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's a free resource, right? So anyone, like Chantel said, any creative in the community can add themselves to it. And as Spokane Arts, we get a lot of phone calls and a lot of inquiries, especially now, as more people are moving to Spokane, you know, they Google the arts in Spokane and they call us and they say, hey, I'm new here. And I was involved in theater in Albuquerque. And how do I get hooked into the community here? And so, you know, one of the ways that we can help is like, oh, we'll add yourself to this artist roster and find some other creatives on this roster and find some events on our website. And that way you can start to get connected with people. Um, so, yeah, we and we've had a bunch of folks as well who kind of like Chantel was describing how, you know, artists can self-categorize themselves. We've had artists who are like, I didn't know there was another Filipino photographer in town and now I know and I'm going to have coffee with them. And, you know, so um, it can help bridge little connections in that way. As I, well. Yeah, I love it. I, I would encourage anyone that hasn't been on the site to just go. It's just interesting to look at. And for me, it's a great reminder of how much talent is out there. I think it can kind of appear under the surface a little bit when you're not active, actively seeing you know, people's work, but uh, it's a reminder that there are a lot of talented people locally here too, um, just kind of among us. And sorry, just one more thing that occurred to me is, uh, you know, a lot of artists uh, are freelancing, they're doing their work on the side, and not everybody has a professional artist website, right? Like maybe they have their Instagram, but not everybody has a website. And so if you don't have time or money or you're scared to build your own website as an artist, like this can be the landing page where you're like, cool, here's my examples of work. Here's my artist statement. Here's some links to my social media. So it's just another place for people to be able to find you. If they see your work out in the wild and they Google your name, like great, now there's a place that they can figure out how to connect with you. Yeah, you're kind of touching on something that I've been curious to, to ask you too about as well, but <clears throat> excuse me, what what does the landscape for emerging artists look like right now? I mean, is, is there a demand? And then also just even in the age of social media, social media has been around for a bit now, but you know, is it a requisite? Obviously, obviously there's no formula for success, but for emerging artists, like if you had to give advice to somebody who wanted to, you know, whether they are a painter or, you know, they make jewelry, what kind of avenues seem to be working well for people or, or what do they need to do now? And, and what is there sort of a, a demand for? Yeah, I mean, it varies a lot on discipline. You yeah. know, you kind of alluded to that. So it definitely varies on discipline. I mean, if I had to give advice, it would be uh, make it so people can find you, mm -hmm. you know, like if mm -hmm. someone, again, if someone sees your work or if they hear your name or if they, someone sends you, uh, an Instagram story, like just make it so that there is a place, at least one place that they can find your email address and your phone number and whatever, because if they're a busy business owner and they want you to paint a mural on their wall, but they can't get a hold of you, then you lose out on a gig that could have left to led to 10 other gigs. Mm -hmm. So that would be my advice is like, just have enough out there that people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think back, so we manage First Friday, which has been around forever. And uh, where downtown has, our expertise is in the space. We don't have the expertise in art. And I, I people call me all the time and be like, we want a new artist. We're tired of the same folks being in, in the rotation. And I'm always like, go to the artist roster. And when yeah. artists also call me, I'm like, get yourself on the artist roster because it makes it so much simpler to 
connect those businesses and artists and it doesn't just have to be paintings on the wall it could be musicians I use the artist roster to find musicians probably primarily because they're very well networked amongst themselves but not cool people like me (laughs) just need (laughs) a website and an email and and a way to reach out to them yeah for sure and I would say too um, just recently my experience coordinating the queer art walk Um, is a perfect example of um, this year we have a lot of first-time artists and that is really cool and now I have a bunch of artists that I'm like add yourself to the roster where have you been you know like and so now they have that opportunity Um, but I think you know stay connected to orgs too you know the way I found or not found but a a lot of artists came to me I reached out to the folks over at Spectrum because I know that they collaborate with artists and I'm like send me artists please like we need people you know and it really wasn't about what we were talking about earlier like this we're picky about work you know if you're creative and you're queer and you want to show your art we have space for you to do that um and then we took it a step further it wasn't just visual art you know it's a collaboration now between spectrum and spokane arts where we're doing an open mic so performance artists can also be a part of that so you know and i would say most of those artists weren't on the roster like i wouldn't know where to find them but because they were connected to spectrum you know i was able to to reach out so I would say that's another thing if you're connected to orgs or, you know, affinity groups and things of that nature, or if you're not, you know, find those connections so that, you know, when people are looking for creatives to do different things, such as like a queer arts walk or, you know, um, I know APIC just did um, um, their show in Terrain uh, for May for AAPI month. Um, So I would say those are some other ways to also, you know be a part and, you know, share your work uh, with organizations. and Yeah. And to your question about, like, how do emerging artists approach or how should they approach that? Like, so much of it is just, like, you have to be a little, get a little comfortable with putting yourself out there, you know? I've had artists um, in Spokane who are, like, amazing artists who I adore, and they do, like, these, you know, incredible collaborative, super creative, wild stuff, and they confide that they're sort of like disappointed that they haven't received broader like media coverage or you know bigger spotlights and I'm like well are you adding your events to calendars and are you you know sending a note to um are you sending out a press release are you sharing the link to your Facebook event with a big circle of media people and they're like well no I'm not really good at that stuff and I get it because it's another it is more work and it's a lot of work and you're already juggling so many things but in order to um you know, we we can't just sit back and hope that somebody kind of discovers us, you know, like we do have to put ourselves out there. Yeah. Can we jump back to the Queer Art Walk, actually? Because, mm-hmm. listener, at the, at the time of this recording, it hasn't yet happened. But, um, Chantelle, can you just tell us what makes this event special? What, what kind of makes it unique? Yeah. So, um, you know, this is my first year being a part of like the planning and organization of this event. So this is it's in its third year. You know, last year there was a walk um, as well, even though we were kind of in the height of the pandemic. um, And the first year it was, you know, a community effort. And now it falls under Spokane Arts. And so I think what makes it special this year, number one, people are out more, you know, now that, um, We have measures in place to kind of mitigate, you know, uh, COVID and things like that. So that's really cool. I think um, also the fact that we do have a number of emerging new artists, new voices coming to the table this year and adding a couple of extra venues. So um, the Gonzaga Urban Arts Center is where we're going to do the open mic night. And it'll also be a poster installation talking about queer history, which is also important, right? Like, what is the history of queerness? Why is a queer arts walk important? Because I think sometimes people don't make that connection. It's like, well, why do they have this thing and we don't? But, you know, when we look at narratives, it's like we have to share the narrative because this narrative has been... (sighs) a part of a history of oppression. And so then how do we elevate those voices and celebrate? Like, these are the people in our community, um, and here are the creative contributions that they have. 
Um, so I think those are some of the like cool things, new venues, new artists and open mic. I know that queer stage happened in its first, you know, the first year that we did it, but just being able to get more people out, um, some younger folks out, um, to really enjoy, um, and have energy behind it and kick off pride month and, you know, the events that will follow in the coming weeks. Yeah. And like Chantel said, you know, she was talking a couple days ago about, you know, this is her first year organizing this particular event. And she's like already excited about next year in terms of other ideas, you know, like Mm -hmm. we talked about doing music and alleyway pop-ups and we talked about, um, you know, last year we had a drag queen show and like, how can we do that again? And so, you know, there's, um, coming, you know, sort of, like you said, out of the kind of lockdown phase of the pandemic, we have twice as many venues as we did last year. So there are 12, venues um so yeah it's exciting yeah and I would say another part is the partnerships and I think this kind of goes to a question you asked earlier um but the venues that I talked to reached out to me or I reached out to them they want this they're like send us more artists please we want more art so I guess yes the queer arts walk is a part of that but just talking to venues who are like okay so can we work with you to have rotating artists in here? Like we want art in the community. Um, I got to talk to the manager over at Locust Cider, who's from Seattle. And she's like, you know, when I came here, I just thought it's interesting. It's not like Seattle. And she's like, how cool would it be if, you know, this block had was just like art, like we had art, the community, the restaurants, the bars, the breweries had a representation of artists and it's more colorful. And, you know, she talked about, you know, having a a flag up and you know making sure that people know it's an affirming space right so like you can come to our space so it's multifaceted right so not only does it support the arts it supports like the humanity of people who want to partake in the community who you know may not be sure and she's like okay so what's you know what other events are there other months that we can celebrate like can we celebrate veterans or you know other affinity groups and things like that. So it was really cool to be able to talk to venues about their excitement of getting artists in their spaces and using that as a space to give voice to, you know, underrepresented groups and populations as well. Yeah, and to Chantel's point, you know, with Aaron from Locust Cider coming from Seattle, there are also other businesses that, you know, maybe they have partners or that they have moved from other big cities where it's they're completely used to this and it's completely normal and everyone does it. And so I think that helps with the cultural element that we were talking about before of like how do we um, sort of broaden the capacity for everybody getting involved and everybody hosting artists and hosting musicians and hosting poets and that that's just part of what you do as a business owner. Um, so places like Common Language Brewing Company that approached Spokane Arts and Chantel to ask about artists and Locust and all of the the amazing local businesses that have been doing that for years, it does seem like there's momentum in the positive direction there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And uh, Common Language and Locust both located downtown, which of course. <laughs> um, so, you know, kind of going back to, you, you were saying generally Spokane is kind of underfunded for supporting the arts, but as far as just everyday people, what can people do to support art here in Spokane? Yeah, lots of things. Um, Yeah, so we, you know, we talked about this a lot during the pandemic, during lockdowns, when I think there was broader, you know, community awareness, like it really came into sharp relief for people, like how badly artists needed support. So um, buying local art and hiring local creatives is like the number one way to be able to support local artists and creatives. And so, you know, if you need um, someone to build a website, like hire a local person to build your website. If you need uh, someone to create a promotional video, hire a local, you know, we have incredible local videographers and filmmakers. So, you know, part of it is that of like, we have the creatives here. So, you know, trying to encourage folks to hire from here and not think that, oh, you have to hire someone in Seattle or Portland. No, no, we have the creatives here and you can hire them. So that's a big part of it. Yeah, I would add, um, I'm always like hire artists, give them your money, hire artists, give them your money. Um, But I would also add share resources. So if you have access to things that artists, you know, creatives may not. So if you have a dance studio, like could an artist use that, you know, trade services. So, I mean, yes, hire, but like, could I trade, you know, renting your studio for, you know, 
an art piece or something like that. So I think if you have resources or access to things that, you know, are really costly or expensive, like I think about artists who do graphic design who maybe want to print things, you know, having access to that or um, even if you can offer like some type of discount for that if you have access to like large format printers or um a printing press or pottery, you know, all the things that, you know, art is expensive. So I would say, yes, hire artists, give them your money and share your resources. And also, uh, I would, I just encourage people to like, just show up, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're, when people are throwing a, a big creative festival or if they're having a performance or if there's a comedy show or, you know, a book launch, like show up. That's really, you know, like that makes the biggest difference is is people um, gathering in community and making connections and seeing what creative things exist in Spokane and getting excited about them and wanting to support them. Yeah. Yeah. And lots of opportunities out there. It's a little shameless plug for Live by Five, which happens, you know, <laughs> on Thursdays from five to eight every, you know, every month this summer. First Fridays, Sunday Art Marts. There's a lot going down. And I think, like you guys said, uh, just showing up is is important for that. Um, I kind of want to change change gears a little bit and just get to know you each a little bit better. But like Chantel, what what art forms do you kind of excel in? What what do you do? Do you have any hidden talents talents we don't know about? We know you did one of the Black Lives Matter letters, so that's one of the biggest works you've done. But mm-hmm. what as far as the arts, you know, what what mm-hmm. avenues do you kind of practice or enjoy the most? Yeah, well, I'm a visual artist, um, so I've, you know, had my work um, in Terrain, um, Saranac, and, um, you know, different shops and things like that. So I would say that is probably the most that people may be engaged. But um, my first creative love, I'm a writer, so I do poetry as well. So I have a couple of works in the um, anthology, The Grim Tales of the Northwest, Um So that was pretty fun uh, to be a part of that. Um, And probably one thing that people don't know, I I sing. So I grew up singing. Um, I can hold a tune. I would say that. Like, I can hold a tune. You know, I'm no Beyonce. Well, no one's Beyonce, but... but yeah, I that's another avenue is that I, I do sing, and not a lot of people know that. So, yeah. Can we expect it down the road, though? Are you going to unleash these talents anytime soon? Um, you know, I have done a couple of shows um, with Latrice Williams. Um, she's done some live events um, over at the Montville, and we will be performing a couple of times this summer at the night market in Kendall Yards. So um, in July, I'll be doing some backup vocals, uh, you know, adding some cool harmonies and stuff. So, uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Melissa, how about you? What do you what do you typically practice or what do you enjoy most? Yeah, my creative outlet is writing. So um, I write stories and essays um, and uh, I do a little bit of freelance writing as well. So um, sports, women's issues, all kinds of all kinds of things. Awesome. So, yeah, that's my outlet. I have, a, I have a question. So at what point for both of you? Did you say, I am an artist? Like, after practicing these disciplines, did you feel intimidated by calling yourself an artist? Do you still feel intimidated by calling yourself an artist? Or was it just jump in? You know, what, what's the perspective from, from your side there? Yeah, such a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so I did a two-year writing program at Eastern, uh, which I really loved, um, the MFA in Creative Writing program there. And um, it's something that everybody struggles with, whether they're self-taught or whether they go to school for whatever their creative discipline is. I think a lot of people sort of grapple with like, oh, do I only call myself an artist after I've, you know, shown in X number of galleries? And then you sort of move the goalposts on yourself. But like, if you are creating, then you're an artist, you know, like if you're making things, if you're engaged with work, then yes, you're an artist. So I do struggle with that a little bit myself, because um, this job is a lot. And so I don't write as much as I would like to be writing. And so I do struggle with that a little bit. Um, moving the goalposts on myself about um, do I call myself a writer if I haven't published a book yet? (laughs) Yeah, I think when I first started, I was like, well, I'm just 
doing some little paintings like no one cares um, and I think now I am like yes I'm an artist here are the things that I can do and it's still kind of like modest you know because there's parts that people wouldn't know right um, but I think it just took me challenging kind of what I was saying earlier, what we think of art as. And so I don't think of it as the old institution of art, right? Like, and so when people are like, I'm not an artist, I'm not a creative, I'm like, huh, but everyone can be. I mean, if it's not your bag, that's okay. You know, just acknowledge that. But it doesn't take being in a gallery or, you know, even if you think about some artists in history, like, they weren't artists of their time. Like, they became artists because, like, they died and people found, you know, it's like, oh, okay, look at this and look at... So, yes, now I confidently am like, yes, I'm an artist. I create things. I do things. And, I mean, I just don't have the language because I didn't go to school, so I can't tell you about, like, technical things. But, you know, I know what it is. So, yeah, it, it took me a while to get there, though. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, like, you know, the word artist, again, as we were saying about the word art earlier, um, you know, again, we have this very broad view of, like, what is creative and what is artistic and what does design mean that encompasses architecture and encompasses, um, you know, la creative, like, landscape design and encompasses all of these, you know, different creative aspects that are involved with making films. And so, to me, when I think about the work of other people, I have no hesitation about, like, yes, you absolutely are an artist. You absolutely are a creative. Like, mm -hmm. there is so much creativity and and thoughtfulness that has to go into X, Y, and Z about what you do. It's only with myself that I'm like, do I call myself an artist? <laughs> that's humble. That's modest. That's, that's, so, uh, Chantel, what, what would you say... I don't want to say what are you the worst at, but maybe what art form kind of intimidates you the most or that you seem to have maybe the least natural knack for? Are, can you dance? Uh, is it like sculptures that you would oh, be afraid right, to like right. put in front of other people? Now, you know, I don't, I could, I could hold a tune dancing. Like I could do a two step. I cannot draw. I cannot draw worth a lick. And people are like, can't you? And you know, some people can sit down, they see a coffee cup and sketch it out. That coffee cup would be so abstract. Like it, it, it's a, it's a practice that I'm not intimidated by it, but I just, it's not my practice, and I don't have time for it. I'm like, I just don't want to draw the coffee cup. I don't want to draw people, but I, it's also like not a skill that I have. I pick up a pencil and I'm like, let's see what it, and it's wrong every time. Like I have no depth perception. Like where's the shadow coming from? It's, it's terrible. <laughs> I cannot draw. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. I joke about how uh, I can't remember if it was middle school or high school, but like I got a C in art class, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, which is why it's fortunate that like we were talking about earlier, like I am not the decider of things. This is why we convene panels of people that, you know, have multiple perspectives and backgrounds to be able to, you know, choose uh, certain art pieces. So, yeah, I can't draw to save my life. Do you feel like you've immersed yourself in the arts well enough, though, for that yeah coffee cup you could convince people it's abstract could yeah <laughs> you like, can still tell people it is oh, art. yeah yes. I, yeah like right. no this is totally art because like it doesn't have to be even which i mean but it, it's true though like when you look at old art or you know different people's artwork like i've seen artwork that i'm like huh that's art huh like you know so yeah i feel like i could convince someone but it's just not my bag <laughs> yeah that's fair i feel like i could play the art not art game with you both all day I'm yeah just, totally i was just thinking earlier when we were talking about it i was like sneezing yeah art, you know not who art. loves to play this this game is high school students all of the high school students that we interact with love to ask is is this art is this art is this garden art is this wall art yeah. Is there is there any common no's that you give them to? Like, no, that is not art. I don't think I've said that yet. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, you can write a couple sentences about it and convince folks. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't that's, know. Maybe <laughs> that's good. It's a it's a good open field for it. So, what is um, something I, I kind of want to hear from each of you on this? But what's something in the last, let's say, just year? Um, here in Spokane, uh, like a piece of art or performance, what's like one thing that has moved you most as far as that you've experienced or seen or heard? I can say the first thing that comes to mind, which was uh, is not uh, Spokane Arts 
production is not a, you know, was not a huge thing. Um, one of our art commissioners, Andrew Whitver, who recently actually moved away from Spokane, but um, he and his husband had this uh, house and they had a really big front yard. And so a couple of times during the pandemic, they had um, porch concerts where everybody could spread out on the lawn and everybody was wearing masks and so on and so forth. And um, I think I went to two of them. But the first one that I went to was at the point where like none of us had heard live music for like a year and a half. You know, we hadn't been to any kind of public creative cultural event that wasn't through a screen in a year and a half. And I showed up and... Um, the singers that day were um, Carly Ingersoll and uh, Jenny Ann Manon and uh, Caroline. And I was like sitting alone in my little chair at the very back. I got there late and I was like tears streaming down my face as soon as they started singing. It was so moving just to like hear live music after that horrible absence of not having it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last year, what has moved me, um, so, um, okay, so I don't, I don't know what this, what this says about my personality, but I'm just going to do it. Um, honestly, I, so I collaborated with, um, Tracy Poindexter Canton, who's a visual artist, um, and we did a show in Terrain called Her Words to Life, and we took um, some of the poetry of um, Black women poets, um, our experiences with our grandmothers, kind of matriarchs of our families, um, aunts, and we created this show that why it was moving it wasn't really about like my artwork so I'm not like doing this like humble brag like you know it's it's a thing that we did but really what it did was when people came and experienced the show and we had our opening and you know I had friends who were like I'm gonna go to the gallery can you come I think what was so moving was hearing people's experiences through our work so like you know we had an installation of kind of altars that was like um you know I had one that I did in remembrance of my grandmother's so um jewelry boxes stacked and um one of the memories that I have of my grandmother was like she just had this costume jewelry and I used to always as a kid like want to go through it and then having other black women come into the space and say oh my gosh this was my grandmother too oh my gosh this was my aunt or oh my gosh and so having hearing people's experience and really like having this full circle moment of um like this cultural moment, this historical moment of like black women in creative spaces through poetry, like through words, but also through the um, stories, you know, like the storytelling. And so being able to hear other people's stories that really resonated with my story or Tracy's story was like really moving. And then to go back to an earlier point, um, it was, you know, then it became a collaboration with um, Pacific kitchen in the old terrain space where um a couple of chefs kind of saw our work looked at our work and created like this five course meal in that space that was inspired by the work and so people then got to taste like and see the work of you know recipes that have been you know passed down and have been shared so it was really like this moving thing to just like be able to talk to people and meet people who have similar experiences. And, you know, not everyone was black women. It was like other women who are like, oh, my gosh, like this relates. And so just having that moment was really special and moving and being able to work with someone and collaborate to create that experience for people in Spokane was really, really cool. Yeah, I think that because that goes back to what we were saying when we were talking about how important it is to just show up for these things or just just to come and experience them because art is a shared experience, right? And it's not necessarily about that validation for the artist per se. You know, it's not posting a video on YouTube and needing to have comments. But wouldn't you kind of say there's something to be said about art that it, it really depends on having people come together for a shared experience and then those perspectives kind of make it truly what it is? Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Liz, do you have any questions for our wonderful guests here? I've been doing a lot of the talking. Yeah, like, I, I think as downtown, we get a lot of requests to, ha- let's add more art. Let's put put, a, put some art on it. Um, 
if I am a business owner or an artist um, and I want to do a project, um, what are reasonable expectations of what I, as maybe an art supporter or someone who's wanting to commission something, should come to the table with in terms of understanding how I create an ask that actually supports an artist further down the road, as opposed to, well, you can just paint a mural and it'll be great. Um, uh, how, how can we um, create that process by which um, we can create these marriages um, in ways that benefit both both parties? Yeah, yeah, that's such a great question. Um, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, just sort of like you wouldn't know unless you know in the same way that until you get a bid from the electrician, you don't know how much it's going to cost. I think, um, you know, business owners coming into it with an understanding of, you know, uh, that there will be a cost that, you know, just like if you get your house painted or you call an electrician, like, um, the person that you're hiring not only has to, you know, come up with kind of multiple iterations of a design that then you need to approve or that needs to get approved by corporate, but they also have to, you know, figure out the logistics and bring in equipment and purchase supplies and then spend their time installing the mural. And so there is a cost, you know, to that. Um, I think one of the resources that we can provide as Spokane Arts is help field some of those questions. And so people can call us and say like, okay, well, what's up if I want someone to paint an indoor mural in my business, like what's a ballpark per square foot estimate that I could, you know, just to have a sense. And we have um, Chantel fields a lot of those questions. Again, some of the new businesses moving into town have said like, hey, you know, how do I approach this? Uh, one of the things we're working on to your question is having a couple little one sheets on the website that we could give to you and that businesses could just download from our website that are like, hey, here's the steps. Like, is it your property? Then you do this. Is it public property? Then you do this. And, you know, maybe some ballparks of the kind of reasonable, as you're saying, reasonable expectations and reasonable cost. Um, I think I would, and then I'll turn it over to Chantel because I know she'll have ideas as well. I mean, I think I would encourage business owners to come in open-minded. Like, I think it's it's good if you come in with um, some ideas or a general idea of like, here's what I want it to evoke, or maybe here's the color palette that aligns with my brand. Um, but sometimes you might get something more interesting if you come in open-minded and are kind of willing to collaborate and have the artist say like, okay, I see what you're saying. You know, can I, what if we flipped it? Or, you know, what if we thought about this? Um, and that way it can be, again, sort of like mutually beneficial in that the artist has agency in it and they want to make it really, really good because it's representative of their artwork and it's representative of your business. So, yeah, I don't know what else I'm leaving out. No, I think that's great. Yeah, I think if you also have an idea of maybe like industry standards as a base so that you know, you know, when you're looking for artists, like what are the industry standards? So if you wanted someone to do, um, you know, a mural, how what does pricing look like for that? Um, so that you kind of go in it and because the artist might have an idea too, but if they're inexperienced, they might not. But, you know, the industry standard is like this much, this per square foot, you know, the logistics, like we'll supply, we'll give supplies or we'll give you a budget, you know, things like that. So some of those logistical things and kind of what are national industry standards based on experience so like beginner intermediate and all of that and maybe it doesn't have to be that detailed but if you just have an idea because I think sometimes um, people don't know like when it comes to art how to value it and how to price it right like it's easy to say like we want this brick wall and we know like this it costs this much and labor is going to be this much but for art sometimes it's different and I think people just throw out a number and it's like I would never do a mural for a hundred dollars never but you might think that's a good idea right like oh an artist would want to do that but an experienced muralist would be like an hour yeah you know (laughs) so I think just having an idea when you come to the table Yeah. And that brings up another really good point, which is that I think there's and we've been fighting it for so long or like trying to, you know, sort of educate people about it. But there's still kind of a lingering misconception out there that if you ask an it's okay to ask an artist to do something for free because then they get exposure. And like 
exposure is not a thing. Like it's not, it, that's sort of a made up thing because if, if you are asking someone to do um, a lot of work and then the, the kind of exposure that they're being offered is like one post being made on a, on a Facebook page, like that's not, you know, that that's not a mutually beneficial agreement. Right. And then the other thing I would say is lead time. I mean, again, you know, business owners are used to this, just like any other contractor, um, you know, the people who have the most experience and are kind of the most sought after are going to be really booked up. And so, you know, planning ahead is always really helpful. Um, Oh, there was one other thing I was going to say, and now I've completely lost it. But yeah, just sort of that that kind of mutual respect. And then, Liz, to your point about, um, you know, how do you make sure that it's kind of like a successful long-term marriage? I think um, once the mural is installed and, you know, kind of you reveal it to the public, I think uh, sometimes... It's it's just really nice to be able to celebrate the artist, you know, so whatever that looks like, like you invite the artist to the ribbon cutting or you invite the artist to your business opening or you do a little profile feature on them on your social media. You know, it, it can vary, but um, just kind of anything that that both parties can do to say like, oh, we're in this together and it's mutually beneficial. And, um, you know, I enjoyed working with you and I want to help other people know that I enjoyed working with you. Thank those things are always great. Well, that's great. Well, we don't want to take up too much more of your time because we know you you both ladies are uh, very busy. And so <laughs> thank you for being here and thank you for all the work you do because as we've been talking about, very important, very good work that Spokane Arts is doing. So please go out there, continue to do it more. Is there anything else you want people to know about Spokane Arts or... Oh, good question. I mean, um, we have so much going on. And so we really encourage people to sign up for our newsletter that we send out a couple of times a month. Um, Our website is just SpokaneArts.org. And we send out events, we send out opportunities, um, we send out, you know, if business owners ever have, uh, you know, small jobs like that, where they just need someone to design a poster or, you know, graphic design or a logo or anything like that, we can post those as opportunities on our website share them out on social media so just use us as a resource use them use them use them don't abuse them but use them use them please spokanearts.org well melissa chantel thank you so much for being here we'll see you around the community we know so we'll look forward to that no thank you both for all the work you do as well thank you all right